Welcome to the Content Journeys podcast, a monthly discussion about the world of content in business. I'm your host, Alan Porter. From practical use cases to the latest innovations, we'll take a look at where we are today and where we're going tomorrow. In short, the journeys we take with our content. Each month, we chat to an invited guest from the world of content, practitioners, analysts, industry thought leaders, creative and operational folks to give a wider perspective as possible on how content impacts the business at every stage of the digital supply chain from idea to customer experience. And this month, I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Marsh, creator and host of the Content Content Podcast series. And I asked Ed to join us on the content journeys to chat about his own journey as a content podcaster. And I'm not quite sure how many more times I can get the words content and podcast together in that paragraph. Okay, so uh, before we dive in, uh, maybe Ed, you can give us a little bit about your background, about yourself, uh, and why the world of content is something that's so close to your heart that you have to talk about it on a regular basis. (laughs) Well, that's a good question, Alan, and thanks for having me on. It was a real treat. I should say that Alan is a guest on my podcast previously, so be sure to download that after you're done listening to this episode. But I was just thinking about it like a week or so ago, even before you invited me. Like I remember in the 70s, I had one of those tape recorders with the condenser microphone. I remember interviewing like one of my friends, pretending he was like Tattoo from Fantasy Island. During college, I created my own newsletter called The Ed Report that I would send out to people. I wanted to be a reporter. I actually had aims of being an automotive journalist, and then I fell into the tech writing field. So it all kind of just came together naturally, I guess, or I don't know how these things work because I didn't even know what a technical writer was when I interviewed for the position. So go figure. Here I am 27 years later. I work at a major financial firm. And I have my own podcast. So that's been my journey. And honestly, starting the podcast six years ago has been a lot more fun and taken me a lot farther than I ever imagined it. So it's just been a real treat. And look, now I'm on another podcast with you, Alan. So, you know, it seems like it's all been pretty good and worked out pretty well for me. That's cool. I know you and I share a passion for motorsport anyway. If you actually go, <laughs> go, go and li- listen to the uh, episode of Content Content I was on with Ed, I actually think we spent as much time talking about motorsport and motor racing as we did about content. But I actually never realized we also shared that original thing that I actually wanted to be a motor racing journalist too to start with and ended up being a technical writer. So, Oh, nice. <laughs> Next time we meet in person over a beer, we'll have to uh, talk about our yeah. youth- youthful yeah. ambitions. So, I mean, that's the craziest thing I think I've learned is that so many people fell into this role or came from it from different places that it's just everyone's story is different. And it really makes it really cool part of having the podcast and getting to know people that do what we do. Yeah, very much so. People do come from a wide variety of backgrounds and end up in the content industry in one sort of capacity or another. And as you say, it does make it fascinating. So the way we like to start off the Content Journeys podcast is we have a couple of standard questions and then we sort of get into the more sort of specific ones. So I always like to uh, ask folks, what do they think about when they hear the term content used in a business environment? We've already used the word content a lot, just chatting, but what, what does that actually mean? What sort of synapses does that fire in your brain when you hear the word content? I honestly think it's a terrible word for what we do. It's just content. Like It just devalues it as a, a thing. It's not a printed piece. It's not a manual. It's not you know a podcast. It's just this nebulous term that can mean just about anything. How do you make like, you know, our job is content management a lot of the time. Like, how do you manage something when it could be any of number of things or all of the things? So I guess I shouldn't talk really because my podcast and the website I created behind it was called Content Content. But it was like, you know, I mean, it's just another one of those words that businesses twist to make it 
fit what I guess what their needs are, or what the abstraction, I don't know exactly, but it's just a odd word. And it's just, I mean, it is what it is, but I just feel like we should take back the language of words from business people or people who are managing us. I blame marketing folks. And as I'm a marketing person in my, in, oh, in my day fault, job, huh? it's probably my fault. But no, I, I sort of agree with you because I, I know when I started out in the business, I'd never really heard the heard content used in that basis. And I think it's probably only in the last, I don't know, 20 years, maybe 15 years. It's become to mean this more nebulous thing, as you said. It was about producing manuals or, you know, if you're in advertising or marketing, it was about producing copy or ads or video or mm. whatever. Um, it seems to have merged together into this sort of, as you said, more nebulous construct that we now call content. Content even could be games too. I mean, it doesn't have to be knowledge transfer. I mean, it's just content is content. I think one of the worst phrases I've ever heard in the corporate world was, we're going to have to memorialize this content. I'm like, oh God, you mean you're just going to archive it? Like, why memorialize <laughs> or write it down? Like, come on. <laughs> I, you know. So everything is different in the business world. You have to be politically correct. You have to have certain words for certain things. So someone high up, and I think in my firm, there's a team somewhere dedicated to just renaming other teams. But I think it's just one of those things where it's the language of business and it, you know, it gets to the point, I guess, I don't know, or abstracts it for whomever. I don't know. Content's just a nebulous term. It could even mean social media. It's just... Yeah. I, I think the online world and the digital world is where a lot of that comes from because so many folks on YouTube or social media platforms are just described as content creators now because they do mm -hmm. so many different things. They're not really movie producers. They're writing, but they're not necessarily publishing in the traditional sense. And I think content's sort of been co-opted to mean that thing in the middle. But you, you're right. I think also from a business perspective, it's not really understood what that means. It's become a catch-all phrase very much mm. like you talked about. Which sort of leads me to my next question. If you hate the word content, you probably totally hate the phrase content is king, which we hear over and over again in this business, usually used by people outside the business. It's a cliche, yet content in a business environment is still overlooked as a business asset. Why do you think that is? Why do you think businesses don't take content seriously? I mean, and at least I think in the tech writing world, it's simply the fact that it's the word content kind of devalues what it is. And like, I mean, there are still lots of tech writers and people in our field who have a copy of Word and are creating PDFs. And I think, I think a lot of companies and businesses think that anyone with a copy of Microsoft Word or Google Docs can create some sort of content. And we know that, yes, that's absolutely true. Content is king and anyone can create it, but not everyone can do it well. And, you know, I work at a major financial firm. I work with a lot, a lot, a lot of smart people. And there's just a variety of language that I get in from subject matter experts who are developers or project managers or whatever. It, it's all over the place. You know, I think the consistency, at least in my field, is really the important thing and having a consistent strategy. You know, I used to teach marching band. I used to play drums in marching band. And it's all about consistency and having six snare drummers or four snare drummers sound like one drum. So I think that's the thing too, that the consistency is that you have to have good, consistent content or writing or whatever your presentation is in order to have a good response from your clients and that credibility there. Because as we've all known, you've probably gone to some GitHub repository or some help system or Googled something and got like terrible answers or you left you more even more confused than when you started. And then you have to go again and then you lose, that site loses credibility because the content wasn't good or what didn't answer the question. I think you actually make a good point about the consistency and, and standards. And standards is something I know you and I have, have talked about a lot as well. I mm. think we bring 
coming from the tech pubs world and even you know more in, in the marketing world now we bring that level of consistency you mentioned strategy i think content strategy is really key to that is actually understanding a content strategy but content creation because everybody creates it because everybody does it nobody really manages it centrally it, that yeah makes that's it, the thing it, and we found that like in my prior role every team had onboarding documents and they had procedure documents and some of it was in word or someone was on a network drive or someone was in one note or someone's one note or in someone's head and it was like our job was to centralize all that information and get it out of those silos and put it into one central location where everyone can access it. and of course over the past year and a half of the pandemic you know that had to work out because you couldn't ask the person next to you because there was no person next to you so that strategy definitely makes a big difference i don't know about you but uh, i've certainly seen uh talking to clients and so forth, uh, an acceleration in that over the last year and a half, that realization that, you, you know. Surprise. Surprise. It has to be there and it has to be there in a way that not only can you find it, but you can use it. It has to be discoverable, findable and usable. Um, mm. Yeah, very much so. So I actually want to sort of switch gears slightly. I wanted to do an episode which was a bit introspective, if you like, a bit of navel gazing, talking about creating content uh, that is not traditional content, but is becoming much more regular around podcasting, but asking myself about doing a podcast about content just seemed uh, not the right thing to do. So I thought what I'd, I'd reach out to you as you quite nicely mentioned, I've already appeared on your podcast, content content. And it is one of my regular listens. It is on my regular feed. So I always enjoy oh, cool. when a new, a new episode drops. So what prompted you to start a podcast around the subject of content in specifically? Good question. A couple of years earlier, or maybe a year or two before I started this, I created a site called Content Content, which is a contentcontent.info, which is a aggregator. So it's very meta. The idea it was meta of, and there's four columns, one for like tech writing news, one for UX, UI, content strategy, and then like design or something like that. And I, I haven't updated the site in a while, but it still works because it's all based on RSS feeds. So I was at the point six, seven years ago where I wanted to put my name out there in the field more, get recognized. And I knew after writing all day and coming home, I didn't want to write a blog. I didn't think I had anything really there to say. And there were already plenty of people like Tom Johnson who were already taking care of that, or people like Christina Halverson or Karen McGrain, some of my big heroes in the field, David Dylan Thomas. So I had done some radio in college. Obviously, being a reporter, I know I'd interview people. And I said, why not? There wasn't really that many people at the time doing kind of a podcast of, of any sort of content or especially technical writing. I didn't want to have it just as technical writing. I wanted to have it just people who create content, which again, it's terrible. And I keep contradicting myself about hating the word content, but it is what it is. Sorry, folks. So yeah, it was just like one of those things where I just wanted to talk to people, get my name out there and see what happened. And I reached out to two of my good friends in the field, Sharon Burton, Marsha Reefer Johnston, to see if they were interested even in that concept of being on. And they both got back to me right away and said, yeah, that'd be fantastic. So incidentally, at the same time, I was starting this. There was a podcast about podcasting by someone I admire called Dan Benjamin called The Podcast Method. His Back to Work podcast was one of my inspirations because it was a professional sounding. It was a talk back and forth show. So there was that inspiration there. And I'm like, okay, let me try this. And I bought a cheap microphone, Audacity, which is free recording software. You know, that was it. And it was just like, it was just bang. It was just, that was it. It was like, okay. And I just have so much fun doing it. Thankfully, Sharon and Marsha are great people. Alan Hauser was another great guy on episode two. So it just all kind of worked out. And like I said, no one was doing it. So there was a, a huge opportunity. And I just kind of walked in the door. 
Well, nice. Very nice. Well, you partially inspired me to do this one as well. So uh, I, I uh, thank you for that. Competition. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that. So actually, one of the things I really like about content content is the fact that you do cast such a wide net with your guests. As you mentioned, you know, you're technical communicators, content strategists, web content professionals. You've even had on the host of one of the motor racing <laughs> podcasts that we both love and, okay. love and listen to on a regular basis. Do you find there's any crossover between these different disciplines and, and even conversely, any sort of sharp demarcations between them based on the guests you've had? It's everyone, like I said earlier, everyone came from a different place. And interestingly enough, like talking about Dinner with Racers podcast, Sean Heckman, another guy, they were just doing this podcast thing. I'm like, I would love to talk to him. And I emailed his site and he's like, you know, of all the requests I've had, you were the first person who wanted to talk to me. So he came on and we talked for an hour and a half. I don't know, but I started saying the word content creator. And I think because he's in motorsports PR that he really didn't know the term content creator. So I think that may have become an in-joke somewhere in the podcast. But yeah, it was just everyone's come from this different story in different places. Like very few people I've had on started as a technical writer or went to school for technical writing. It was just one of those things where they kind of fell into it, just fell in love with it or made a career out of it. So, you know, I mean, there was a lot of times that I wanted to get out of technical writing. I thought it was too limiting. And I'm like, then I realized, hey, wait, no, I actually kind of like this. So I don't know. There's no real, it's just nebulous. It's just, you know, especially I've talked to people of different ages and career backgrounds and everything. So I can't say there's anything similar, like any other line other than maybe a love for words and writing directions. I don't know. I don't think I really have any kind of common path other than people like working with the word. I know it used to be a sort of a bit of a joke if you moved over from technical writing into marketing, you'd sort of gone to the dark side. Mm. And for the record, I did have a content marketer on once, so. <laughs> other than me, you mean. Um, yes, other than you. <laughs> so do you still find any of that sort of demarcation going or surfacing in, in any of the conversations you have, or are you seeing more of what you just talked about? In fact, that just because we all love content, it's such more of a, a more nebulous approach, irrespective of what the actual final discipline is. I don't know. That's an interesting question because like, I'm trying to think of my recent guests. I had a copywriter. I had Rahel Bailey, who's another one of my heroes. She's a content strategist. The one I have in the can that I still have yet to put out is from Patrick Bozek from formerly Easy Ditta. I mean, and, and he's like a CEO. So there's no line, I don't think. You know, they're just different people and came from things in different places. And just everyone seems to have come from such a different career background or path to get there that it seems like everyone's almost kind of surprised of where they are, I guess. And I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just vastly interesting to talk about because it gives me a, a goldmine of things to talk about with people. Because you know, the subtitle of content content is the people behind the content. I don't want you know just know you about your expertise. I want to know who you are. So you know, I think that's opened up a lot of avenues there and really gets people to talk about how the different ways that you can come to content, or even if you didn't even think about it as your your career. Yeah, as I heard somebody say the other day, and I totally agree with it, at the end of the day, all business is people selling to people and people talking to people. So um, <laughs> It's all transactional. So yeah, but it's all people to people. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think we realized a lot in the past year or so. Yeah, very much so. So with all these various guests you've had come on, has anything come as a real surprise to you? Something that made you think about content from a different perspective? I think everyone does. You know, like simple things like, when I talked to Tom Johnson and he was really early on, and if you don't know who Tom Johnson is, he's a very prolific technical writer. I don't know if he's a technical content strategist, but he's had the I'd rather be writing.com blog for 
I don't know, forever. And he's like the guy in the field. Like he's the industry standard for technical content, you know, and I wanted to have him on and I told him I wanted to beat him. And I'm like, now that I realize in retrospect, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to beat Tom Johnson. So he had a podcast too. So, you know, I think the thing is that it just, it keeps surprising me. Every, every guest, you know, I always walk away from a thing like excited and just like, that was awesome and having so much fun. I just love talking to people. So I think it's just a real uh, a fun thing to do. And I completely lost your question. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I just love your enthusiasm, Ed. It's great. <laughs> now, what I was asking is, is anything that the various guests has sort of made you think about content itself from a different perspective? Okay. It does. It really does. Especially with the variety of people, you think about it a different way. Like the content marketer person, she was still writing her copy in Word or whatever. And like Tom Johnson was showing me, I think I was still in the in the structured authoring data camp at that point. And he was telling me about all the different things you could do with Markdown and stuff like that. Long story short, now I'm in a Markdown environment, not by choice, but the way the career went. And just to think about different, like the history, even like people like, oh God, Liz Fraley or Felice Banner, some of the people who have been in the field a real long time, just, you know, that to get that historical perspective of something like a DITA, which is a structured language for technical writing or you know the history of markup or stuff like that just the things that you learn and pick up and hear different bits and pieces from you're like oh you know and i think about that like after that adrenaline comes off the excitement it's like oh and you especially when you listen back as you're editing you're like oh yeah that's a really good point that's really cool stuff so i think the benefit to doing this is i get to listen to it two or three times and then i get to pick up things along the way it's like okay you know that test with the headphones oh okay you get the bit the test in the car okay that sounds good or I've got to re-edit this part. So you're hearing the story back and you get to like listen to it more because I'm not in the moment. And then you certainly pick stuff up. That's cool. I will say I do enjoy listening back to uh, the conversations that we've done on, on here as well. Um, I, my wife always teases me for when she hears me listening to one of the podcasts that I've done that uh, I'm listening back to myself because I like to hear myself talk. And I'm like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm checking it, honestly. I, you know. But, uh, but you're right, you, d- you do hear different things when you, you listen back to it later on, and uh, it does give you a different perspective. I've certainly found that doing this, that uh, we've spoken to people from a wide variety of different content practices and uh, learned a lot along the way. I mean, I the think way- the coolest thing, too, is just, you know, it's my network has grown exponentially now. You know, I've had people refer me or, you know, to another person or, you know, someone wants to be on the podcast or, you know, I get asked. And that was the whole point was to get my name and to talk to people, you know, people who are experts and and now god you people are all my friends it's crazy <laughs> so uh, mission accomplished in terms of building your personal brand I, I mean, is that part, was that part of the reasoning was just you know building a personal brand or building a brand around content content yeah i guess so i mean i never thought about it as building a personal brand but yeah it was i mean i yeah i guess it was marketing i was marketing myself and saying hey i've been doing this for a long time here's what i can do for you it's also giving back i like giving back to communities and i certainly I'm certainly not making any money off this damn thing, but uh, you know, I believe giving back to the community and other people have listened to it, and I've recommended to some new joiners at the firm where I work. So certainly, like I've said, and it's actually I was invited to be a podcast for a content strategy conference for two years, and an organization asked me to be a co-host. It never went anywhere, unfortunately, but and I now isn't asked to present at a conference this year on podcasting. So you know, it's certainly gone farther than I ever imagined it would have six years ago. And I thought it would be a cool thing to do. And I thought it'd be a good time, but it exceeded every expectation. And and all I can say is thanks to my guests and thanks to my listeners. 
You actually just raised an interesting point, just putting my content marketing hat back on. But I think it, what you just talked about is sort of some of the proof that putting good marketing content out there is not putting stuff out that says, look how great we are. It's actually putting stuff out that's useful to the audience that says value to them and that they can learn from and pick up from. And you sort of build an audience around that that then comes back to you and that helps you build a brand rather than you constantly sort of flag waving and saying, look how awesome I am. And I'm sort of paraphrasing Robert Rose here, who we had on as a guest a few months back. You know, he had this great thing that traditional marketing is talking about how great you are. Content marketing is about showing how great you are. Okay, that's, that's, oh, that's interesting. But yeah. I think what you were talking about in terms of just having the information out there for other people to pick up and then you sort of getting the, the benefits from you as a brand or business around that, I think is a great illustration of that. So. Well, I mean, you think about any organization that you purchase something from them and you're on their newsletter email list for the rest of your natural life. And, you know, and sometimes it's like, just why I bought this one thing. I don't need to know about your 30% off sale on women's clothing because that's got nothing to do with me. Or, you know, even something this week, I, you know, I've been, I watch a ton of concerts on my couch in the past year, which was just absolutely wonderful comedy shows, concerts. But these emails that they send you every week, they don't tell you who these musicians are. They say their name, where they're from, but they don't tell you what kind of music they're playing. And I'm like, if you want my money, I'm not going to base it on someone's name that I don't even know or a band name I don't even know. Like, give me some information about who these people are so I can decide where my money goes. It's great that they're sending me a list and they're bringing up these new artists, but I don't know who these people are. So you've got to don't make me think. Do that work for me to let me know who the hell this person is with some name that I've never heard of before. Right. So providing that extra information and the context around it to actually make yeah. it useful to you, make it relevant to you. Yeah, exactly. If you're yeah. sending me relevant stuff and you're not spamming me it's a sale email every week, then sure, I'll buy from your brand. But if you're just going to send me stuff because I bought something once and just like killing my mailbox, it's going to be an instant unsubscribe or send it to the trash bin. Which actually sort of brings us neatly to what is my uh, traditional last question. Um, and I think no. you may have just answered it, actually. But I was going to say as a sort of what would you consider one area that our listeners should focus on right now to really get more value from the content that they're putting together? Put more value into it. Don't treat it as a commodity just because you've got a stream of words that someone put together somewhere and something. How many X amount of years ago or how many weeks ago? You know, you've got to curate that content and make sure that it's up to date. You know, even our style guide, I've been maintaining it for the past year and a half. And I already see stuff because our processes have changed and so much has changed in the past year and a half that we have to update things. We're also in the process of implementing a documentation linter. So that way, it'll give you grammatical errors or business rules as you type or whatever. So you're doing it interactively, which also democratizes that content because then you can share that with other people who might not necessarily be a writing expert, but you can give them those guidelines to write more consistent content. And I, we've talked about the consistency. I think that's really it. No one cares about your organizational structure. What they really care about is the content that they need or what the information that they're looking for. You know, you've got to recognize that just because marketing saying this doesn't mean your tech team's doing this or whatever. I mean, there's got to be more conversations around content and it's got to be taken critically as a business asset. And I think we've been saying that as long as I've been in this field. So, you know, I don't expect it to change wholeheartedly or quickly, but I think, you know, in the past year, especially with the digitization of everything and remote work that people hopefully will put some value on this content. Totally agree. And by the way, if you want to listen to some really good conversations around content, I'm going to plug a content content podcast again, because there <laughs> are really some excellent conversations around content. But you're right. I think that's what we need to do within the business. Uh, 
Thank you, Ed. I uh, appreciate your insights, your passion, as always, for the field. Uh, awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on today's content journey. Where can our listeners find you? I think you already plugged your website and your podcast, but if you uh, uh, well, want to do it's it again. Actually two separate, it's two separate things. Content, content, and info is the news aggregator. Be aware it was updated like seven years ago, so it's not exactly pretty, but it's a lot of great information there. And it led me because I figured I would brand myself as the content, content podcast. That's how it came about because that domain was available and they're like, oh, content about content. That's cool. So anyhow, long story short, contentcontent.info is where you get information about content. My podcast is at edmarsh.com slash podcast. So it's real easy to find. Of course, it's on all the major podcast apps, Apple, Google, this one, that one, whatever. So, you know, whatever you do, you can probably find it pretty easily. And I think that's it. Oh, I'm also very active on Twitter at Ed Marsh. Very cool. Well, thanks again, Ed. It's been awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, man. Good to see you. And you. If you enjoyed this discussion and would like to learn more about industry-related content insights, please check out the Nuxio website at nuxio.com backslash events or the Highland website at highland.com. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Content Journeys. Got a question or a comment? You can find us on Twitter at both at Nuxio and at Highland and just use the hashtag Content Journeys. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share and don't forget to subscribe to Content Journeys on your favorite podcast platform. And if you could leave a rating or a review too, that would be great. A special thanks to Ed Marsh for joining us today and thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm your host, Alan Porter. Stay well, stay safe, produce good content and enjoy your journey. Content Journeys features the copyright-free music of Island by Jericho and special thanks by Roa. Content Journeys is a Highland production in association with Albrick Training and Design, LLC. Copyright 2021.